So, now that I've left my tablet, that was a terrible move, wasn't it? Very terrible. That's all right. It's all here in the end, and I can use my cell phone. If you'll remember last week, we continued our, our series, our new series, The Mind of Christ, with week two. All right? And we took a look at Philippians uh, 1, verses 3 through 5. And essentially, if, if you'll remember, Paul began by basically saying, and again, he's writing this from prison. All right, he is in prison right now for his faith. Please pay attention. Stay with me. This is a good message tonight, all right? And he begins by saying, thank you. Thank you to this little church. Thank you uh, for their partnership. And, 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 and then he, he goes on and he says, uh, I, I am confident. I am grateful for you. And I am confident in this, that the God who began a great work in you will bring it to completion on the day of his return. It is a beautiful uh, reminder that God always finishes what he starts. Now, you and I can struggle with that sometimes. Who said yes? They're like, yes, that's me. Sometimes I struggle with that. Uh, yeah, we can all, uh, the truth is we can all struggle sometimes. God doesn't struggle. He's not like us. And so when he begins a work in somebody's heart, he is going to bring that to completion. And for that church, man, that is really encouraging. Because some days I may look in the mirror and not like what I see. That can happen. You, can, you, you, you guys are teenagers. You've felt that before. All of us have felt that before. And Paul is saying, don't be discouraged, be encouraged, because the God who began a good work in your heart at the moment that you entered that relationship with him, he will bring it to complexion. That as you stay connected to Christ, he is going to bear fruit in your life. And as a matter of fact, Paul says, I can be so confident in what the reason I can be so sure that the good work God began in you will bring to completion is you is because I see Christ in you. I see God's work in your heart. I see his character reflected in the way you live your lives. I see Jesus in you. And because I see Jesus in you, I know that he who began that work in you will bring it to completion. It was a beautiful reminder. And then we talked a little bit. Paul does this big prayer, and what he prays for for his people is that they would grow in love. And I talked about that love, and I said, everybody in this room... Every single person, I don't care who you are in this world, an atheist out there would want this kind of love, an unselfish, unfailing, unending love. We all want to be loved like that. There's not a person in existence whose soul doesn't cry out for that kind of love. And Paul says, I want to see you grow in that kind of love. And then he also said he wanted to see them grow in knowledge. That is, their, their knowledge and information. But beyond uh, just the knowledge and information, he wanted them to grow in their understanding, all right, of what that knowledge means, the application. In other words, there's a difference. I could look at somebody and say, hey, uh, they could have some knowledge and, and, and say, well, I want you to be like Jesus, and somebody could say that just had knowledge, but they didn't have understanding, could say, well, Jesus 
was nailed to a cross and wore a crown of thorns on his head and died. So I guess that's what Sean is saying I should do. Now, you would have knowledge, but that's not what it means. In other words, you know that something happened, but that's not the application of what it means to be like Jesus, is it? There's a different understanding of what it means uh, to, to love people, uh, to, follow, to follow Christ, to be Christ-like, to be humble, and to be gracious, and to be kind, to be forgiving, to put others' needs ahead of your own. That's actually what it means to look like Jesus. It doesn't mean that I should like, look like Jesus like that. Do you understand? There's a difference between knowledge and understanding. And, and Paul says, I want you to have love, I want you to have knowledge, but I also want you to have understanding, a right application of what it means. And we ended with, you know, the point. What's the point? Well, A, the good work God is doing in the hearts of Christians, growing us to be more like Jesus, and reflecting His light and love to one another should be a sign of encouragement to all believers. In other words, when I see in you when I look at Awen and I see little glimpses and reflections of Jesus Christ, that's encouraging to me, all right? Because I know that God's at work in her life. That's encouraging. Also, if I'm Awen and I look in the mirror and I see some of those same areas, that should be encouraging to me because I know God is working in my life. It isn't just something out here that somebody's telling me, but I can look and even I see evidence. And the people around me may say, man, that was a really great caring thing that you did. And that should be encouraging to you. All right. And not only is that it's producing gratitude and praise to God in our lives and in the lives around us. That is, when I see Jason and his uh, great example of being a husband to Loretta, well, that's encouraging to me, and I thank God for examples like that to show me what it's like to be a good husband. All right? And, and it produces thanksgiving to God, and so people may thank God for you. You understand? Like, you may do, people have done good things in your life where you've wanted to genuinely thank God for them. Uh, thank God for John and his partnership in the gospel here, you know. I literally can thank God for him. But in the same way as you're helping other people, they may thank God for you. It produces thanksgiving to God. It's a beautiful thing. Why does it matter to you? Uh, again, we, we looked at it. It's encouraging. It encourages you as you see these things growing in your life. And it is, encourages you to continue to pursue, uh, continue growth in Christ. And then we talked about the tremendous value in godly relationships and the power of the unified church. And that we are, we are made to work together. Uh, I talked about how when I was sick, it wasn't, uh, there was nobody that was part of my, my blood family that reached out and checked to see how I was doing. It wasn't, it was John that showed up at my door with my, my computer and uh, Walmart pickup for me. It was my church family that was texting me and calling me and checking in to see how I was doing. I wasn't alone in my struggles. My family was there for me. This family. It's beautiful what God has done in giving us his church. And that's kind of where we left things off with that reminder from Paul. And so we pick up things tonight. Uh, we'll just jump right in. Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. And Paul continues. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Now understand what Paul is saying, what has happened to him. What has happened to him is he is in jail in Rome for being a Christian. And Paul is saying, I want you to know that what has happened to me, me being in prison, has really served 
to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the entire imperial guard, that is all the prison guards, all right, and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Jesus Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So Paul begins this section by saying, there is purpose even in prison. Even in prison, Paul says, I, my purpose is, is to be here. And not just to be here, just to like suffer, but he's saying, look, my purpose in prison is to spread the gospel here. I'm not here. In other words, Paul doesn't think, oh, I'm a victim of my circumstances and I'm in prison. Paul says, God put me in prison here for a reason. I've got to share the gospel right now. And so that is exactly what he does. So that all the prison guards know that Paul, why Paul is in prison. Because here he is, share the, share, telling them about Jesus. And not just the prison guards, he said everybody. All the other prisoners know why Paul's in prison because Paul says, I was put here for a purpose. I want you to think about that kind of faith, that, that kind of inspiration. And not only does he say, I mean, you get the reminder, right? We talked about this this week in Romans 8, 28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. And Paul's saying, I'm in prison and this is working for good right now. Right now, I'm able to share Jesus with the people that are, that are in charge of making sure I stay in prison. It's amazing uh, that for those who are called according to his purpose. And it, it made me think of another fella who went to prison. We talked about Joseph, if you guys remember from Faces in the Crowd. And, and here's a cat that uh, his brothers hated him. They threw him in a hole. Then they sold him as a slave. Then he went and worked really hard as a slave. And he got accused of a rape that he had nothing to do with because it never happened. He got falsely accused, thrown in prison again. This time, he's left in prison. He tries to help some people because he works really hard in prison and makes himself, you know, kind of stand out. And then people, after he helps these people, they forget about him. All these terrible things happen. But eventually, Joseph becomes number two in charge of the entire land of Egypt through this extraordinary turn of events and these amazing situations that God has put him in. But understand, he went through really hard situations. He went to prison for rape, which is really not a thing you want to go to prison. You don't want to go to prison, A. You definitely don't want to go to prison for that. Okay, and that's not any different today than it was back then or, or vice versa. You don't want to go to prison. You definitely don't want to go to prison for that. And Joseph's brothers... After his dad passes away and these extraordinary set of events, he's, he saves his family. Matter of fact, Joseph single-handedly saves most of the known world at a time of a famine because of his, the wisdom that God gave him and the vision God gave him to, to navigate the whole world through this big famine, this big problem as they were out of food. And he manages to save his family. Dad dies. His brothers, after dad dies, they figure, uh-oh, this is it. All the crummy stuff that we did to our brother, now that dad's gone and he ain't going to see it, our brother Joseph is going to get revenge. And we pick it up in Genesis 50, chapter, or chapter 50, verse 19 through 20. Joseph said to his brothers, Do 
not fear. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. You literally could almost take Paul's statement and repackage that statement that Paul just made, even in prison, God's using it to advance the gospel. This is a good thing that I'm here. You could literally take Paul's statement and rephrase it as, hey, God did this to bring it about that many people should be kept alive eternally as they are today. You literally could transpose the words. Talk about God being the same then and the same now. Like, it's crazy. It's a crazy thing. God is consistent and He is, he is working. And, and it's not that our circumstances, whatever our circumstances might be, in other words, the external things that we face on the outside, they don't inhibit God's plan. In fact, God uses our circumstances to accomplish His plan. And our circumstances... They may not always be good. You know, I had some pretty bad stuff happen to me as a kid. Those are terrible circumstances. And it's not that those things were good. Notice what Joseph says. Joseph does not say, the things you did to me, brothers, was good. That's not what he says. He says, those were evil things. You meant evil for me. That was the wrong thing to do. But, great big but, but God used those circumstances for good. So for me, I went through some hard times as a kid, sure. But God used those circumstances to bring about good. So what are your circumstances are in life? Whether they're really good, some of you got amazing families, amazing situations, you are blessed beyond measure. And guess what? God's going to take that circumstance and he's going to use it for good. He's going to use you for good right in the middle of that. For some of us, we may have a little tougher go. That's okay. God is going to use those circumstances. Again, it's our circumstances don't get in God's way. God uses whatever we are, wherever we are, whether we're on the mountaintop or in the valley, God is using everything to accomplish His plan in our lives and in the lives of those around us. And for us as Christians, boy, that's really, really good news. Really good news. And as we fulfill God's purpose in our lives, God uses us to inspire other people to do the same. Raise your hand in here if you're really happy with the way the world is now and you don't want it to get better. You don't want the world better. You like it just the way it is. Seriously, not a single hand? No, because this world's under hell. All right. Raise your hand if you want to make the world a better place and you're in this room. Everybody else just checked out or they're asleep. I'm going to throw something to Levi. You ain't Gene. Mr. Gene, I'd let sleep. You know, I'm not letting you sleep, Levi. <coughs> you, got, you, got, you got some years first. Of course we want to make the world better. Doggone it. If you don't want to make the world better, we need to talk. We do, seriously. Of course we do. And what I want you to see is as we fulfill God's purpose, He uses us to inspire other people to fulfill theirs. And literally, just in that moment, you're helping the world get better, one person at a time. Who here has watched like a really inspirational movie, something that really touched your heart, 
Give me an example of one. I can only imagine. What? Okay, so she, what Adrian said is Diary of a Wimpy Kid. She loved that what she would, add, when, even when I make my mistakes, I can make my mistakes better. I can make something better out of it. What was yours, Alexis? The Green Mile. Inspirational movie. Did it make you want to be a better person? What was yours, Andrew? The Lion King? And it made you want to be a better person? Yeah. Bree? What? All right. And made you want to live a better life, be a better person. What I, what I want you to see, Sam? Um, Vanilla Sky. Vanilla Sky. That's a great movie. That is a, that's a, that's a, it's a very creative movie. Yes, Awen? Yeah. Timothy Green made you want to be a better person. Do you? What? Here's what I want you guys to to listen. So you you guys all had examples, lots of examples, and lots of people didn't raise their hand. But you all have examples of movies that, like, when you've seen it, you're like, man, I want to make a difference like that, or I want to I want to make the world better like that. What I want to tell you is this: each and every person in this room, how you live your life. How you live your life. You don't have to be on a big screen. How you live your life every day has the power to inspire other people to live a better life. When you're that nice person that doesn't bully anybody and actually sticks up for them and encourages them, I promise you there is a watching world that sees that in you and it encourages and inspires other people to do the same. Everybody? Nope. Not saying it does that works for everybody. There's plenty of people that don't care about that stuff. But there's somebody watching you, whether you realize it or not. Every single person in this room, there is somebody that looks up to you. There is somebody who looks at you and wants to be like you when they see that the good things that you do in your life. You all have power to inspire other people. Every single person in this room. And God wants you too. Again, he's going to fulfill that purpose. He, he wants to, to lead us and grow us. I love that picture. I love they got the same shirt. They got the same, you know what I mean? And you can just kind of get the picture. Paul even says, uh, he'll go on in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. And he says, look, people, I want you to be imitators of me as I am of Christ. He says, look, I'm following Jesus, and you, you follow me, and we're going to follow Jesus together. And I want you to be, be with me, to be like me, that we can both be like Jesus, and that'll make the world a better place. And, he, and, and that's absolutely right. And, and, and again, the idea is taking a stand for Christ, taking a stand for these things that God is trying to emulate in us, this 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 beautiful gift that God has given us as he is creating and sanctifying us and changing us and making us more like him. When we take a stand for Christ, it inspires others. When I look 
and I see other people that are willing to share their faith. I promise you there was a time when the notion that I would stand in a grocery store and a, a teller, when you could tell was having a hard day, and you talk to them and say, hey, can I pray with you? You'd be amazed right there at Walmart, man. People will be like, for real, you'll pray with me? And there was a time where that would be a scary thing to me. Uh, that I, there was no way I would think of that. But I've seen other people, and I heard other people, who would go out and share their faith like that. You know, and they'd go to the gas station, and somebody would be visibly upset, and, hey, are you okay? Can I pray for you? I loved hearing all the stories. We, we delivered Thanksgiving meals uh, to people in our community that are struggling uh, this past Sunday. And I love the stories of, hey, can I pray for you and your family? And what I want to tell you is that when we take a stand individually, we encourage other people to do the same. So there was a time where I was terrified to do that sort of stuff. I really am not anymore, but it was because I seen other people doing the same thing. And I'm like, you know what? If they can do it, I can do it. And God help me, you know, be alert enough to recognize when there's needs in our community that I can do something a bit now. And one of the things that I kind of resolved in my heart is I don't, what I don't like to do is be like, Carter comes up and he's like, da 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 da, I could use some prayer. Well, I try not to do, I'll pray for you. And instead, I actually try to just, hey, you want to pray right now? And that's a, that's a, that's a good way to start. And I promise if you guys do that and you start, people in the world start seeing that, they want some of that. People want to be loved. That's exactly what Christians are called to do is love people. We've got an open door if we'll take it. But it does require some boldness. What I, uh, when I was thinking through this, there was this old phrase, you know, again, the idea that we could inspire uh, a people to live out their faith as we live out ours. And there was this old quote uh, from a guy named William Raff Inge, and what he said is, religion is caught and not taught. Now, that's not quite right. It's, it's really, I, I, you know, with all due respect to Mr. Inge, that's not, that's not right. I mean, it is, it, it, really the better way to say that is faith is caught as much as it is taught. All right? We need to be taught. We do. Each and every person. I need to be taught. You need to be taught. We all need to learn. We all need to grow in our knowledge and understanding. That being said, it is caught as much as it's taught. We do need to see other people living out their faith and modeling that for us so that we can do the same. And as you live out your faith, again, I promise you, little brothers and little sisters, people at school that know you're a Christian, I hope lots of people know you're a Christian at school, they're watching. And a lot of times, the thing that draws people to Christ is when they see Christ in you. But it takes knowledge and it, it takes both things working together. Faith is caught as much as it is taught. Philippians, he continues, uh, chapter 1, verse 15 through 18. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Uh, the former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. And so Paul is saying what he's really saying here, and I love this. God's plan and purpose is greater than my haters. 
In other words, there were some people who were jealous of Paul and jealous of the gifts he'd had, who when they saw him in prison, even though the gospel they were proclaiming was the truth, okay, in other words, they were still telling that Jesus died for your sins. They were still proclaiming the gospel, but they had some selfish ambition inside of them. They seen themselves as in competition with Paul, and they'd be like, see, Paul is in jail. God's clearly mad at him. You need to follow me. Paul doesn't get wrapped up in all that, though. I want you to catch that. Now, don't get me wrong. He maintained the gospel purity here. He wasn't saying that somebody should be telling you something. But what he's saying is, lovers, haters, I don't care. What I care about is the bigger picture, that Jesus Christ is proclaimed king. I love that. Here he is in jail. And, and he, he says, look, Paul does not let anything, absolutely anything, distract him from God's greater purpose. He's not going to be distracted in prison. He's not going to be distracted by foolish people acting foolish. He's not going to be distracted. All he cares about is that the truth that Jesus Christ came and lived a perfect life, died for the cross for my sins, was raised from the grave, and has, has, man has made a way for eternal life for each and every person I believe. All Paul cares about is that that truth is proclaimed. Now, he don't care whether you're a nice at proclaiming it or not. Whether, you're on, whether you love Paul or not, he doesn't care. He just cares that you... You tell the truth. I love that. He does not get wrapped up in all the other junk. He says, say no distractions. That's right. And uh, that's where he gets. And for you, hey, there's going to be people that we get along with great. That when we see them, we know, hey, that's my person right there. I love that person. I, I've met people before that as soon as I meet them and I shake their hand, we kind of look at each other and we're like, you know, you and I are good. You and I are, you know, you're, you're friends. I, 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 I've met a couple guys that, uh, man, I just knew they were my brothers in Christ as soon as I met them. Yes, I met a couple other, yes, that's right, Alexis. I've met plenty of, of young people that I feel that same way about. But, I mean, seriously, I told you guys about the guy at the uh, Urgent Care and Mercy in Washington for Cadence Physical that I walked in, and as soon as I met this guy, I knew before he ever uttered any words to affirm what I knew that this guy was a Christian and that I could spend all day talking to that guy. Caden, how, how, how long did we talk? For a while, right? And I could have stayed all day. And it was just as soon as I met that guy and he met me, we knew we liked each other and it was this affirming thing. It was awesome. We're also going to have people in our lives, though, that... We don't feel that way about, and we may look at it and be like, well, God bless you, <laughs> but you're not, you're not my cup of tea, and that's okay. Paul says, whatever, that's okay. You may not be my cup of tea, but I love that you're proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and that's, that's, that's all I care about. I'm not dealing with the rest of it, and I love that example. He puts aside his own stuff. Not all of us want to be like, no, it'd be real easy to get sucked into, what are you talking about? I'm in jail because God does it. Paul don't even deal with it. Just keep proclaiming Jesus. He just smiles and goes about his business. Beautiful. So what's the point? So the big question each week, right? Well, God will work his purpose in our lives, not only regardless of the good or bad circumstances we face, 
but even through those circumstances. Doesn't matter what's happening out here, God is accomplishing His purpose in here and through here. And man, that is great news. So when I'm going through bad times, I don't need to look around and be like, Oh God, what did I do wrong? No, 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 no. Instead, what I need to be doing is saying, Lord, I don't understand what's going on here, but how can you use what's going on here for good? Help me to understand that. Help me to recognize that. Help me to see how to navigate this. All right? It might be, uh, oh, gee, I've got cancer and whatever. I'm in the, the office. I'm going through the toughest stuff in life, and I'm saying, hey, can we pray before you do this procedure? Or, hey, uh, in, a, in a situation where most people are falling back and going crazy and, and whatever, it's, it's okay, Doc. If, if I pass away, I'm going home to be with Jesus. So we'll, we'll figure this out. To, you know what I'm saying? And your witness can inspire other people to come to faith when they see that, hey, the faith is real. Like, there's a real thing going on here. Lots of stories. God uses our lives to inspire other people. He really does. And why does that matter to you, like right now in this room? One, I can trust God to work His purpose in my life through good and hard times in my life, no matter what. And two, and in our culture, that really wants us to be envious, and it really wants us to be jealous, and it really wants us to want stuff. Have you noticed that? Like, you want stuff. I want an iPhone 14, or I want this, or I want a new car. Like, we want stuff, and they show, you know, uh, commercials of happy people with the stuff that I think I want because I think, it'll be, you know, the world's really good at telling us we want stuff, and man, if I don't have what he has, well, I don't like him. He must have us. His parents must be loaded. I, I, all that dumb stuff, all right? I do not. I personally will not. I refuse to cave in to jealousy or envy, or peer pressure, I can trust God in all things. So I don't have to, to look and, Stephen Furtick's got a Ferrari, man! Why don't I got a Ferrari, God? I, no, I'm cool, man. I'm cool right where I am, exactly who God made me to be. And I'll tell you what, of all the things that you guys can have, listen to me, of all the things you guys can have, contentment with who you are in Christ. In other words, I don't have to be anything other than who God made me to be, and I can be at peace with that person that I look at in the mirror. That is an invaluable blessing to have in this life. It's worth more than all the money in the world. So, love you guys. Thank you for coming tonight. It went a little bit longer, but we had dinner. We still have five minutes totally for small groups, so we're going to do it. Uh, I'm going to pray, and we'll get rolling. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for Paul's example. Yes, Lord, uh, we're pursuing you, but thank you for examples uh, like Paul uh, and the other godly people that you put in our lives and in history that we can look to so that we know what that looks like as we seek you. And we want to live lives that honor you and glorify you. Thank you that, yes, we do not have to be caught up in all the other junk the world would try to throw to distract us from your greater good, but we can be like Paul and we can focus on the big picture. Lord, thank you that no matter what circumstances we're going through in life, you are in control 
and you are accomplishing good in us, for us, and through us in this world. What a blessing. There's not a single wasted thing. You, you are not a God of waste. You are, you are working through everything. And for that, we thank you and are grateful to know that even as we go through hard times in life, you are with us, you are for us, and you are fighting in us uh, for our good. And Lord, that is a, a victory that can never be taken away. Help us, Lord, to, to rest in that, to rest in you, and to find comfort in who you say we are. Our identity is wrapped up in you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.